You're not listening. You're not listening. It's not happening. Moving along to next week. I'm listening. And by the way, you fucking my my pick is the Pats. You asshole. You just don't find that type of passion other places. No, no, you find it here. At Swipe Right Sports, it is your sports pod hookup. I'm your host, Bobby Adcock. And that's because, you know, it's not about the other stuff in life that doesn't matter. You know, climate change, the Mueller report, take it all away. No, no, no. I need, it's my Patriots and Eagles week 11 take. That's what resorts me to name calling. Um, And that person that I called that name, may have had a nice week last week in the pick segment for the NFL. We will get to that, but first up, it is a college football DFS full preview of Saturday's day slate and night slate. Then we make it over to the pick segment. We have a lot to do. Let's jump right in now. All right, welcome in everybody, and thank you for joining. If you normally are reading my stuff on fakepigskin.com where I do a day and a night post every week. A little bit of a change here for this week just because I've had a little bit of a shift in my schedule that's making my life kind of a living hell. Um, It's not allowing the time I need to do the writing because frankly writing is harder. It takes more time, more review, more edit, and it's just hard to create the content in a quality way, whereas here I can just kind of come and talk shit and uh, kind of ramble through these games here. And it's just easier. So, um, and I, and I want to keep it uh, going for everyone who does read so they have a way to uh, have a little preview that they get every week. Um, so that's the reasoning there. I, I plan to get back on the writing hopefully next week. We'll see how it all goes. Uh, But that being said, let's jump right in here. We have an 11-game board for the Week 13 CFB DFS slate on DraftKings. What I'm going to do that's a little different is just kind of jump through every game, give my highlights and what I think in a hopefully quick and uh, efficient way here. So let's start. Oklahoma State at West Virginia. Oklahoma State minus 5.5 over under 54. Um, Big news out of this game is Spencer Sanders. Oklahoma State quarterback out for season now with a thumb injury. That brings in Drew Brown. Now, who is Drew Brown? No one knows. I have no clue. What I do know is that uh, apparently he was a starter for Hawaii, a two-year starter, I think, in 2016 and 17, and I think had about 19 starts under his belt. 33 TDs, 14 touchdowns in those time. Uh, do I, you know think he's a great play I, I don't know not necessarily but it's the price right 4900 at the quarterback position where you usually almost always are spending at least you know above average price let's say 65 7 and then if you really want to get the chalky guys you're talking eight nine thousand so look is it out of the question that he gets around the range of like 20 dk points i don't think so uh because they are on the road against west virginia that's a bad team and Mike Gundy, one thing I like about him as kind of an offensive coach, he keeps it very simple, right? It's you know, 35 handoffs to Chuba Hubbard, and he throws bombs. So you're going to see Dylan Stoner get some 
deep throws and then uh, CJ Moore look for him to maybe get some deep throws as well he's gonna make it simple for the guy and cut the field in half and just uh, execute a simple game plan for someone who hasn't played a lot of football lately so um, I'm not saying go ahead and do it but I'm not hating Drew Brown here just after from a pure price standpoint um, so that being said uh, the rest of it with Oklahoma State is pretty simple it's Chuba all the way um, you know great matchup no problem there and then on the West Virginia side, the only things I really have interest in are there's some nice value with Sam James and TJ Simmons at the wide receiver spot. The rest of it just doesn't really interest me. Um, I think there's other quarterbacks out there that that are better plays um, than what West Virginia is working with. And the running backs are just so hit or miss um, in that offense. Kennedy McCoy is probably the better play, but eh, like I said, I think I can get some better stuff elsewhere. So I'm going to move on to Penn State at Ohio State for the second game. Ohio State minus 18.5, over under 57.5. Let's keep this simple. Uh, we're just out on Penn State. Don't bother. Um, I don't expect much out of them. Uh, the prices that you're having to pay for guys like Clifford or Hamler, I'm just not doing it. I can find guys in better matchups. And I think you know this is kind of that small 10 matchup that I talk about where these all, all these other teams, they're, they're when they go up against OSU, they're just outmatched. Um, I'm not expecting anything different here. I don't know if Penn State's offense gets to two offensive scores in this game. So on the other side, of course, you know, all systems go with uh, the Ohio State uh, Justin Fields and J.K. Dobbins. Where I really like the value is receivers Chris Olave and K.J. Hill. Um, and then a Benjamin Victor at 5,300 as well. All above, or sorry, below that average price range. It can help you with cap. And they uh, have great Great value, I think, in a game where I think they get their four, maybe five, six offensive touchdowns for sure. And Olave's one of my favorites this week. Um, at kind of any game he can get you 100 yards and the score or two. He's their big play guy, so uh, look for him there. He's 5,900. Let's go to Texas at Baylor. Baylor minus 5.5 and, and 58. Um, this is a nice matchup here. Always nice to go against the Texas defense. Uh, it's been really poor and, and it not really getting any better. One thing to keep an eye on is Colin Johnson, the Texas wide receiver, looks to be out. I think that gives some nice value to Brennan Eagles. He had a 484 in one line last week without Johnson. and was really the guy who plays that Johnson role when he's not in there is that big guy on the outside that Ellinger likes to throw uh, deep balls to and take shots with. So um, other than that, pretty straightforward as well with Texas. It's the Ellinger Dubernay production like it has been all year. Uh, can't go wrong there. They have a nice matchup against Baylor. We all saw what happened to their defense uh, against Oklahoma last week when they had that huge lead. So no reason to fade those guys. Um, and then on Baylor, you know, it's kind of just this poor man's Oklahoma of DFS. Charlie Brewer might be their best running back, kind of like Jalen Hurts is on um, Oklahoma, just to rely on for DFS purposes. And then, you know, you got this Denzel Mims being kind of the poor man's lamb for Baylor. So um, the rest of that team, it's so inconsistent and unreliable week to week. It's hard to really hone in on one specific guy. Because I do think there will be value with receivers like RJ Sneed, Josh Fleeks, Tyquan Thornton, and even Chris Platt. But again, it's just when is it going to come and from who? It's, uh, it's impossible to say. Who knows? So um, with that said, let's get out of that game and go to Memphis at South Florida. Memphis is minus 14 and a half over under 59 and a half. This is where that um, 
Kenneth Gainwell kind of conundrum comes into play with Patrick Taylor Jr. being back in the in the mix at running back there. And this is all I'll say about that is, look, if you're willing to pay for Kenneth Gainwell, I think it'd be around 8200 that's fine. I don't think there's anything wrong with it. I think he'll still is in a spot to have a nice day. But if I'm going to pay that money, I'm just going to find a way to get $700 extra and pay for Chuba Hubbard, who has that scenario where all that risk exists with Gainwell. It's much more reduced with Hubbard, maybe even non-existent. So if I'm paying for Gainwell, I think I'm just going to find a way to get Hubbard in my lineup instead. So that's what I would say with that um, dynamic there with the Memphis thing. Other than that, I think there's some nice value at wide receiver with DeMonte Coxie. Or is it, is it Coxie Coxie? I think it's Coxie. Anyway, he's kind of that number one uh, clear-cut receiver, kind of like there. Chris Olave gets m- most of their touchdowns. And then the other one is Antonio Gibson, who's been emerging as a very nice big play guy in that offense. Uh, lately, a big game against SMU a few weeks ago. So those guys are under that average price uh, range and um, very productive spots here against South Florida, who is just another bad uh, American athletic team. Um, and they'll be able to put up points here. One interesting note for South Florida is Kelly Joyner Jr. is listed at wide receiver on DK. Now, why is that interesting? Because he really is a running back who got 13 carries for 72 yards last week and called in one catch for 49 yards. And his price right now is 3,500. So look, it's late in the season. He's a freshman. I think they're going to try to start, you know, working in guys for the future and everything. It's a bad football team. So he's one of those guys who are looking for the dart throw and kind of looking for who the candidates are. Uh, Kelly Joyner Jr., consider it. Let's move on to Kansas at Iowa State. Iowa State, a big favorite here, 24 and a half and 58. Um, and the K- KU offense after last week, where I thought they might be in a, a decent spot to have a nice day uh, at Oklahoma State, who doesn't have a very good defense, they just weren't good at all. And I think they might be unplayable at this point, with the exception of Stephen Robinson Jr., who, another guy who has under that average price range, and I think maybe one of the best floors. Uh, at that position so um, or I should say like floor upside combo right he's proven he can put up some big games so um, I still like him other than that even guy like Puka Williams last week was complete dud it's just tough to pay that price so um, I have other options I like everywhere speaking of those options at running back would be Brees Hall he's a guy I'd much rather pay I think 6700 for than a guy like Puka so um, Hall is a no-brainer this week for me uh, great matchup. Game flow uh, should be favorable for running. So, um, And Deshante Jones continues to have great value at 5,600, except all the times where I play him when he seems to do nothing. So, uh, But last week, he had another nice game with uh, Michael Pettaway Jr. and Tariq Milton and uh, Kolar is the tight end for Iowa State. Only caution flag I would throw on some of those pass catchers is some game flow risk here, right? This is shaping up to be something like a I don't know, 41 to somewhere in the mid-teens. So if it gets out of hand early, you know they're not going to throw the ball as much. And that kind of goes back to my point about Brees Hall. So um, just kind of a a thought there to think about um, when you're picking wide receivers for Iowa State. Let's get on to SMU and Navy. A lot of interest in this game with a kind of a close shootout projected by Vegas at Navy, a a three-and-a-half favorite, 67 over under for this matchup, which is what we all love to see. 
And uh, for SMU, I think it's pretty simple where the value is. Kylan Granson and Rasheed Rice uh, continue to kind of have the increased production with Reggie Roberson Jr. out at wide receiver. He's expected to remain out for this game as well. And I, I think you, you continue to focus on those guys. They're nice little building block pieces. I think Rice is in the $4,500 range, and Kylan Granson is at around the $5,000. I think he's 5200 is what I saw. So, um, yeah, continue with those guys if you're looking for those building block pieces. And then I think on the other side, it's, you know, Malcolm Parity with Navy. And what do you do? He's 7800 Is Is he worth it? And if you're asking me, I would say yes. I, I don't, I'm not against this at all because – these in these American athletic conference games, you know, no one really plays defense. Certainly SMU doesn't. They've shown even when they in their wins, they're not really interested in stopping anybody. They're interested in outscoring everybody. So um and I think I looked at Malcolm Perry's stat lines in all the conference games where they're playing American athletic teams, and I think his lowest point total was twenty-eight for DK. And then the rest of it's pretty much well into the thirties. So I don't see why he doesn't have that floor here with a little bit of upside. Uh, you know, playing those quarterbacks from those uh, option teams is really playing a number one running back who is going to have a bell cow role with passing stats upside. So it makes sense to me. I, I, I think there's all kinds of great options at quarterback on this board, actually. So, uh, But I'm not against Malcolm Perry at all. I think he'll bounce back nicely uh, in this matchup here against SMU. Uh, and also, I think, just before we get out of here, uh, nice value on Jamel Carruthers at running back for Navy um, in this matchup here. He's about 5,600, so he's a good value play. Let's go to the next game, UCLA at USC. USC is minus 13.5, over under 65.5. Now, I want to talk a little bit about Demetric Felton's role here. And for the most part, over the last four weeks it's just been diminished where this has just become more of a josh kelly uh bell cow type role at running back and then the passing game is so bad that it's just it's hard for felton to really see any consistent production so i just don't see how he's worth his price anymore at this point uh josh kelly i think will get the role but again if you look at his price and you want to say okay well you like him or you like Brees hall I'm Brees Hall every time. Uh, could, couldn't end up being wrong. Maybe Kelly has a big game here, but I, I think USC is going to put it on these guys. I think they, I think they, you know, cover the 13 and a half and plenty more. Um, and that's mostly because that UCLA defense is terrible, which is why I love uh, Keaton Slovis and all of those receivers for USC. Uh, they kind of trade off big weeks. You know, it's Michael Pittman Jr. And then one week, and then um, a guy I love this week, Amon Ross St. Brown. He's going to be another uh, guy I focus on at 5,800, whereas Michael Pittman, I think, is around the $7,000 range. So um, I love the value with Amon Ross St. Brown uh, helping my cap go up. So uh, there is what we're at for the USC game. Let's move on to Texas A&M and Georgia. I think this is simple here as well. You got Georgia at 13-point favorites, uh, 44 over under. And this is kind of my comparison to that small 10 game where Texas A&M is just kind of the Penn State here. I don't want anything to do with them. It doesn't mean it won't work. I just, I'm staying away. This is projects to be kind of a high 20s to mid-teens game. Um, and so I, I think you just eliminate them from your options. And then Georgia is just, it's swift or bust at this point. There, there really isn't any uh, reliability or predictability in the Georgia passing game week to week right now. Um, so... 
it's Swift or Bus. You want to throw us something out there and from be my guest, but I think there's better options at quarterback as well. So let's move on. Speaking of better options, UCF at Tulane. Uh, and this is going to be a lot of interest for DFSers because of the projection. UCF is a six-point favorite with an over-under of 70. And I think with Tulane, you know, there is great value, right, in, in some of their prices. And you say, oh, it's a great matchup. But there's also there's a lot of just role uncertainty on this team. If you look at their stat lines from past games, um, are they worth these prices? You know, they, they use three running backs. I, the only one I kind of really have interest in is Amari Jones because of his involvement in the pass game. Um, so, and then behind Darnell Mooney at receiver, who I think is in line for a nice game here, uh, be able to be productive, there really is no clear, consistent production at wide receiver week to week. So that makes it pretty simple for me here. Amari Jones at, I think, around 5K, Darnell Mooney at 5,800, and Justin McMillan at QB for Tulane sets up as a nice spot for him to be productive. Uh, all three of those guys, I'm fine with the rest of it. Uh, someone else can have them. And then on UCF, uh, I think the story here is Greg McRae looks to be coming back. He is undervalued right now at his price, I believe at 5200 And then Jacob Harris is one of my favorite dart throws. I've talked about him before. He's just one of those guys that they take, you know, maybe two or three shots to a game. And he's a big, like, 6'5", 220 guy that uh, Dylan Gabriel likes to look for downfield. If he makes one of those plays and one of them goes into the end zone for a touchdown, he's made your day. So he's a guy I'm really going to look to be a kind of building block guy for me um, at, I believe, 3,600. Other than that, UCF is straightforward. It's the Gabriel to Gabriel connection, Dylan to Gabriel Davis, and then Trey Nixon for the receivers. Let's move on to Syracuse and Louisville. Louisville is nine and a half favorite. Cuse, uh, sorry, over under of 62 to Syracuse. And um, for Louisville, Tutu Atwell, Des Fitzpatrick, and Jamie Hawkins, I think, all present very nice value plays under the average price range um, for Louisville. And um, Tristan Jackson in Syracuse is really the only guy I think you can even consider this offense. Even in this matchup that projects to be nice on paper, um, I just don't look at any of their previous games and go, oh, yeah, I can see this, you can see that, or kind of sell yourself on one of these guys having a big game. It can happen, but I think you're just, it's a pure guess other than Tristan Jackson on that team at this point. So um, I don't really have a lot of thoughts on that. It's really, this game only exists for gambling and fantasy purposes. No one should be watching this besides family and friends. So let's get out of here. And let's go on to the last game of the slate, which is Michigan at Indiana. And I think this is a really nice week to invest in the Wolverine offense as much as I hate their guts. Um, Shea Patterson, I think, is right around that average range price. And then really the guys like Nico Collins, Zach Charbonnet, Ronnie Bell, and Hassan Haskins, those guys are... Uh, Really nice value plays in, in, in a game where um, they're matched up with you know just a just a bad Indiana defense, and as a nice spot to be very productive. So definitely consider those guys as well. Um, and then Wap Fillior, you know, last week if you read how many in-game injuries can I get you know in a row here each week? I looked at looking at that game. He had like two catches or fifty yards in the first like couple drives. I'm going all right. Here we go. Got it going. And then, of course, he gets concussed. So, um, you know, we'll see if he plays. But obviously, I, I love Wap Filior. And uh, 
But in general, Indiana, probably not a great week to invest in their offense, even though I think they can cover this game. Um, I just probably would pass on most of them for DFS. So that said, that is the entire slate, 11 games. I did it. I'm a hero. And before we get to the night board, I'm going to just give you a little uh, building blocks of how my lineup is looking right now. It is. At running back, Hassan Haskins is a building block at 4,600 for Michigan that I just mentioned. Uh, Jacob Harris at 3,600 is UCF. Chris Olave and Amon Ross St. Brown are the receivers that I uh, will be looking for as well in most of my lineups. Once you get those guys in, um, you can kind of build any way you want. You can go a bunch of different ways at quarterback right now. I have Gabriel and uh, Keaton Slovis in there. So uh, that's just kind of give you the guys who I like um, to build on. And then some of the quarterbacks up top. And I have Chuba Hubbard uh, pretty much everywhere. Chuba Hubbard and Brees Hall. I, I don't think I'm going to set a lineup without um, either of those guys not in it. So um, I'm going to take a drink of water, take a breather. And the night contest, a little condensed version starting in a second here. Ooh, all right, I'm back. That water was uh, needed, and it was uh, fantastic. So um, let's just do a quick condensed version of the night board. Seven games, as usual, on DK. 14 teams, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do you a favor. I'm going to just get six of them out of here right now. So here, let's just do this. Just like drugs, okay? You just say no. Do you just say no to Arkansas? You just say no to Duke, Wake, Kansas State, Texas Tech, and maybe even Arizona State outside of Brandon Ayuk. So, to me, that remains eight playable teams for me in my mind. I just don't want anything to do with a lot of those teams based on their matchup and kind of the uncertainty and unreliability of their positions week to week. So, that said, some of the main factors in this contest, Oklahoma and C.D. Lamb. Last week we saw what that looked like. It was Lee Morris who emerged at receiver um, with the most catches uh, from Jalen Hurts. I think it was something like seven catches, uh, 100 yards. I don't have it right in front of me, but uh, he was, you know, the most popular target. So I would maybe look to him. He would be a nice building block as a, as a below average price guy. And then uh, Charles and Rambo, of course, as well. I think is the big play guy. I think if they were more prepared for a week without Lamb, if he were not to go. I think Ram would be my top play um, at receiver for that team. So just something to keep an eye on as we progress. I think Lamb is projected to play, but um, yeah, all systems go with Oklahoma at home against TCU, which that offense, I think as well, uh, fire away. What we're learning now is this Oklahoma defense is a problem. It's It's been a problem for weeks. I've talked about it uh, in some of the stuff I've written or even on this podcast as well. Um, yeah, just just hammer them. So, you know, Jalen Rager, uh, Darius Anderson, you know I love me, my Max Duggan. And I don't see any reason not to uh, play around with those guys in the lineups this week. So I'm fine with that. The other game, I think, where the fun really starts is in Pullman, where the forecast right now for Saturday night reads 46 degrees and clear skies 
for the Cougars of Washington State taking on Oregon State minus 10 and a half and 76. That is Washington State's minus 10 and a half. And this is where I think you're going to get the most value on the board uh, where I'm seeing it right now. At running back for Oregon State, Jermar Jefferson is a guy I mentioned last week quite liked. Uh, didn't have a great game, but still he's getting uh, the workload. And then Artavis Pierce at running back as well. I think both guys have value at their prices. Uh, I'm going to take Jamar Jefferson personally. I think he's a little cheaper at 5200 And then a receiver, you have Champ Flemings and Trevin Bradford, even lower around maybe the $4,500 range at wide receiver for the Oregon State Beavers. Um, if I'm picking one, it's Trevin Bradford. He's coming off a an injury, really, first of all. He, he's just kind of getting back to full strength. He had a 441 one line last week. He also had two carries for 24 yards. And this was a guy last season, if you remember, when he played uh, at full strength, he was putting up some big games uh, and just showed consistently his ability to have big stat lines uh, in, in softer matchups. And this would be one of those matchups. So I'm really liking Trevin Bradford in this game as well uh, at his price. And, of course, that leaves Jake Luton, the uh, Beaver quarterback. I think he's around 6,700. Uh, just another great spot for him to perform well. So uh, I, I think that's where a lot of his value is going to come. I'm not going to mention a lot of the Washington State players. You know who they all are. They're all the guys that call us on the money, So uh, and for good reason. So uh, let's move on to another Oregon team, which is the Ducks. And I'm not going to mention a ton here. Pretty straightforward, again, who, who their guys are. But I think JJ3, Johnny Johnson the third is uh, undervalued here at 5,300. He's one of the maybe better floor upside combo guys on the board at receiver. So uh, with that price, I, I think you're getting a lot of value there. The rest of the game is pretty straightforward. I already said I don't really care for a lot of Arizona State players uh, in this matchup as well. It's just a tougher matchup where some of these Pac-12 teams, when they go up against you know Oregon and then, I don't know, who was the other team that plays? Oh, like Washington. They just disappear. Uh, so, um, yeah, not not really into the Sun Devils this week. And then that will bring us to Houston and Tulsa, where now we get some better options here. Um, and I believe this line is about 3 and 60 around there. Um, so this is where, again, a lot of value, I think, for this board. On Tulsa specifically, you have a receiver, Keenan Johnson, at 4,500. He's carved out a nice enough role where – you know, he's going to get you three, four catches and um, with some decent upside and a good matchup here. Running back Shamari Brooks is under that average price. Uh, Kylan Stokes, Sam Crawford Jr., the other receivers for uh, Tulsa all have some nice value there. Uh, my preference would probably be Sam Crawford Jr. Uh, for all those receivers. And then on the Houston offense, uh, we talked about this last week when I wrote I love Clayton Toon. No reason not to. Uh, he, he paid off nicely at 6,200, I think, last week, up to 65 now. But I think still in this matchup, in these these um, American Athletic Conference matchups, no one – this is like you know the, the poor man's Big 12. No, no one plays defense. They're all interested in just trying to outscore each other. So, um, yeah, Clayton Toon, good there. Mark has Stevenson. His top wideout is a nice value play here as well under that average price range. And then, uh, yeah, you know, look – it didn't work out. I said he was a zero-proof floor, and I, I was all excited about my Trevin Bradley uh, dart throw last week, and uh, he turned out to get zero. But that said, I am not afraid, and I am going to run him back again, and I'm going to give you right now because that is it. That is my breakdown of the night slate. I'm just going to rip off 
a few guys I am building around. And that is Trevin Bradley at the minimum price of 3000 All I need from him, you know, just maybe one, two catches, and one of those being the big play, which they'd like to go to him, that will make the day for him. Trevin Bradford, as I mentioned, uh, is going to be in there. And then um, a guy I didn't mention specifically, but I think now with Trey Sermon out of the picture because of injury, I think Kennedy Brooks, just because of the volume, um, the you know, in that offense with Oklahoma and game flow projections, you know, calling for the run. I like Kennedy Brooks uh, as well at 5,700. If you start off with those three players and maybe even mixing like a Jermar Jefferson for Oregon State, you can pretty much go anywhere you want with the rest of your lineup. If you want to go Jalen Hurts and Oklahoma Sooners, um, if you want to stack the entire Washington State Oregon State game, you can do that. Uh, the, the now the the cap room is there if you start that way to take it any any place you want to go for the night slate. So um, that is it. An 18 game board covered for DFS just like that. I hope it is beneficial. I hope you enjoyed it. Of course, good luck to everyone playing out there this weekend. And now, if you want to stick around, we're getting to another about. 18 game board of college football and NFL picks with a doctor starting now. All right, it is week 13 in college, week 12 for the NFL. We're entering the stretch run on the football season, and it's been a splendid, wonderful one every week here with the doctor. Once again, how are you, sir? Doing well, Bob. Doing very well. Excited for this college slate we can talk about here in the next few minutes. Really exciting games and lines. Yeah, there's a, there's a top ten matchup of uh, Penn State and Ohio State. A real a real barn burner there. Um, talk about. Uh, it's, so it's not a great college board, I think. Uh, so just kind of set the stage for people if you're listening for the first time um each week we do michigan michigan state usc and notre dame as the teams that kind of we grew up with um dr maybe went to school a couple so those are the teams we focus on and then pick any of the marquee games that are noteworthy and as you were alluding to there just isn't uh, much of a marquee game. In fact, I don't, don't think outside of our norm. Well, I picked one game. I picked one game that I talked about earlier in the small 10, and we're going to get get to that. But uh, well, let's talk records, okay? Um, last week I was 4-2, and two, bringing myself to 29-22-1 on the season against the spread in our games. And I think I'm going to have to rebrand myself as a college guru because that is not happening in the NFL. And, uh, Doctor, you also were 4-2, bringing you to 26-25-1 on the year with our college games. Uh, and, and just a nice nice week for both of us. And uh, let's start this week with a game that everyone's been waiting for. Let's just get out of the way. It's our, our Michigan State Spartans, who we are fans of. It is Michigan State. They're in New Jersey, where no one goes on a Saturday afternoon and comes out alive uh, playing Rutgers. They're minus 20 and a half points. Uh, I'll let you start. 
Yeah, this is, this is a tough one. Uh, you know, Rutgers has only kept two of their games this year within 21 points. Uh, that the loss to Boston College by 14 and a win over Liberty by 10 points. Nice, nice W there. Yeah. And then you look at MSU hasn't won a game since September, um, which the last one was Indiana, which is actually looking like a really good upset win for for them. Uh, so this one's <laughs> this one's this one's tough, and it's just it's not only tough to pick one, but just tough all around to see Michigan State in this in this state of uh, the program. Um, look, getting into the pick. Um, you know, since last year, MSU has been a 14-point favorite or greater eight times. They are 1-7 against the spread in those eight games. So not doing a very well, very good job of covering large spreads. Um, look, there's not a whole lot of football to talk about here. Um, I'm going to use that ATS um, stat I just gave you and then look at MSU as kind of a, a lost team um they're not playing sure. a whole lot i don't think there's much there so basically if Rutgers has kind of one good play in the first half that, that team might you know rally around and try and keep this close uh i'm taking Rutgers in the points there's no reason to believe them as you can beat anybody by by more than 20 points yeah by, by more than three scores yeah um by, by more than a score yeah yeah <laughs> no they're, they're they're playing for a bowl game what are you talking about okay um so yeah i, I mean said oh there's there's again not much about to talk about football wise here um michigan state four and six overall two and eight against the spread six straight l's against the spread um so look the only thing i can say is i'm playing elijah collins in my college football fantasy league so i'm really excited about about that i am taking Rutgers in the 20 and a half points as well that just takes us to the matchup I was alluding to earlier between these two top ten teams in this, uh, you know, mammoth matchup, Ohio State minus eighteen and a half at home against Penn State in this small ten uh, dynamo. Uh, what are you thinking here? Yeah, no secrets. Uh, OSU dominating both sides of the ball, averaging fifty-one points per game, only giving up uh, giving up under ten points per game on the other side of the ball. And look, this Penn State team was getting a lot of hype early on, and I think their offense is, is still doing a pretty good job. But the the defense, which was which was getting hyped up about four or five weeks ago, has been just awful. Uh, if you look at the second half of the Michigan game uh, and then the Minnesota game and the Indiana game, we're going to throw out the the uh, the MSU game because that doesn't really matter. But they, in those other three games I mentioned, giving up over 400 yards to all of those teams. And if you remember yeah. what they looked like against Michigan in the second half, that's kind of what they looked like against Minnesota and Indiana, and it has not looked good. So I don't see them stopping uh, Ohio State at all. I think Penn State's offense will have you know, more success um, than we've seen from other teams against Ohio State, but it's still not going to be a lot of success. Um, so I think this one, the line um, – showing what's going to happen. I think Ohio State's just going to, going to blow them out. I'm taking Ohio State minus 18 and a half. Yeah, that, it's, that's, it's that or nothing. So um, Ohio State minus the points. Uh, so you said, you know, you think their offense for Penn State might have a little more success. I'll ask you this. When the game is still meaningful, uh, over under offensive touchdowns for Penn State's offense, two and a half. Meaningful, like let's say twenty-one point difference. Is that what we're talking about? 
I, I, is that, that me? Is that me? I don't know. I, I, I'd say I'd say under. I'm going to say under. <laughs> right. I'd say under. I'd say under too. So, all right. Yeah. Let's get out of here. Uh, this, these, ga- these games suck. We're just trying to get the NFL. <laughs> yeah, we're just trying to get the NFL. So let's let's keep it going. Uh, Boston College uh, Eagles going to uh, another one of our teams here. Uh, they're at Notre Dame. Notre Dame's minus nineteen and a half. Um, Look, I, I will start here. I think there is a matchup issue for Notre Dame, a legit one. Uh, Boston College is fifth in the nation in running, uh, led by A.J. Dillon. Uh, kind of a, he's not a Heisman candidate anymore because of what's been going on in other places in the college football, but he was a dark horse coming into the year and kind of was a legit one for a while last year. Uh, he's a fantastic running back. There's no question about it. And they also have a nice um, second running back in David Bailey, who uh, is just kind of a really nice one-two combo in their running game. Uh, and Notre Dame is... It, that's not a great thing for them. They allow almost 170 yards a game. That's kind of uh, in the bottom third of the country. And uh, USC and U of M are the teams that probably were the better running teams that they've faced so far. And they both kind of had their way with them on the ground. So I think that gives them enough to, to do enough uh, to stay within the number here. And I'm going to take Boston College plus the 19 and a half. Yeah, fair, fair point on the on the on the running game. Uh, the two teams you use, though, I think have a little more balance and um, you know pass attack, which you know made Notre Dame do some things differently in those two games defensively to to defend the pass a little more and give up a little more of the of the running game. Here, you know, in the last two weeks, I think Notre Dame's played two run first teams in Duke and Navy, and have done a, a really good job. Uh, um, and, and in those two games, also you know, Notre Dame's offense has got back on track, outscoring those guys ninety to twenty-seven. So on, on the flip side of it, you know Notre Dame's scoring a lot of points. Um, you know they're seventeenth uh, in the nation, scoring thirty-six points per game, and BC is ranked one hundred and two, giving up thirty-four points per game. So I think Notre Dame's offense has found something the past couple weeks against, let's call it, you know, the low average teams where, where BC is. So I think they'll have yeah. yeah, so I think again these offenses is humming along. They're gonna keep it going. Uh, BC may have uh, some success on the ground, but it won't be enough to keep up. I think I think Notre Dame is is refocused their season and calibrated their expectations where they're trying to get ten wins and a New Year's Six Bowl game. The team's playing for that, and I think they're going to they're gonna continue to roll as they've done the past couple weeks and cover the 19.5. So I got ND minus 19.5. That's wonderful. Uh, okay, let's go to Bloomington, where the uh, Wolverines of Michigan are minus 9.5 against Indiana. And um, where, where is the doctor coming out here? Well, you got Michigan coming off a... Uh, a big win against the, the lifeless Spartans, and then IU coming off the, the tough loss versus versus Penn State. So I don't think you learned anything new about Michigan last week. They're playing very well and have been, you know, really since they got um, blown out against Wisconsin. Kind of that second half, that first half against Penn State wasn't very good, but since they've been playing very well, so they'll continue to do that. But I think I, IU proved something you know, last week in a loss that they're able to play with call a better team in the Big Ten where it's kind of comparable to, to Michigan. Um, Don Brown's defense tends to struggle <laughs> against offenses like Indiana's. Like, I always think Indiana's a good warm-up game for them against Ohio State um, in, in the way Indiana approaches offense. Uh, and also, Indiana, in the last uh, six games, first-ranked opponents, it's 5-1 and one against the spread. So they don't typically win these games, but uh, Peyton Ramsey and the offense have been, have been playing really well. I think they're going to 
give Michigan a, a little trouble and able to keep this within within let's call it nine. I'm taking IU plus nine and a half. Yeah, just kind of add on to your IU um, kind of versus you know Don Donnie B and the Michigan offense since last year. Um, there's only been two Big Ten teams that have had more total yards offensively than Indiana's 385 last year. And it was Ohio State last year and Wisconsin this year. So um, there's a little something going on here, I think, in this matchup. And like you said, they never really win this game. But typically, it's been close since uh, Harbaugh's been there. They played him four times. Uh, both wins in Indiana. And all those games have been by 11 points or less. And both wins in Indiana were by seven and both in overtime. So uh, they have played this team really tough. And, um, yeah, even that even that like revenge tour team last year, they were, that was a one-score game in Ann Arbor in the fourth quarter at one point. So, yeah, I think they play them tough again. And uh, I'm taking IU plus a nine-and-a-half and it's going to take us to the other marquee. Just kidding. There is no marquee game. Uh, it is the USC Trojans. Seriously, there's not even rivalry. There's not even a, a night game that I can point to and go like, "All right, I, I want to talk about that." Like, and I was like, "I don't want to. I don't. I don't care about these games." So, um, I mean, I care about them for like fantasy and gambling purposes, but not for actual football. So, um, okay, USC is minus thirteen. And a half at home against UCLA, your Trojans. I have nothing really to say here. I'm fighting on. I'm gonna fight yeah, on. There we and, go. And, uh, I like that. Late 13 and a half. I think. I think Chip Kelly. I think his uh, days are probably numbered at UCLA, but we will see. I'll let you go here. You don't have anything to say about this big football rivalry game? Yeah, <laughs> not, not really. Crosstown rivals? Come on, Bob. <laughs> yeah. Bring it. Um, all right, so look, USC's won four in the last five. The only loss in that stretch is, is to Oregon. Um, offense has, has looked you know pretty good. Um, you know, overall, the Slovis has been jokes. great. He's been great. And, and you were making jokes about Helton all year. And, you know, he may not be the right guy there, but the only regretful thing USC has done this year is probably the loss to BYU in overtime. I mean, the other two losses are to a good Notre Dame team and a good Washington team. So they've, you know, they've kept it together, and that's amidst a, a lot of injuries. So I think some credits, credits due for for Helton if they can uh, if they can get this one done here. Um, which well, I mean, he's not he's not bad. It's just you know, it's Irv. It's Irv. It's Irv. Right? Hey, it's Irv. I'm not saying you wouldn't take Irv <laughs> and get him, but it'd be more about taking Irv than it would be about firing Helton. Right. Uh, look, UCLA has been up and down all year. Uh, but the one thing they have been consistent on is is giving up a bunch of points to good offensive teams. They they rank 99th, giving up 34 points per game, and they rank 123rd uh, in pass yards given up per game. So you already mentioned Slovis and wide receiving core. We know they're capable of, of tearing that up. Um, they rank 11th in the nation in pass yards per game at 320. Uh, and so I think there's the there's the matchup um, that USC is just going to be another team that carves UCLA and they're gonna you know, they're gonna beat them. They're gonna, they're gonna overwhelm their defense. It's just that, gonna, that's right, that's right. Yeah. So it's USC minus thirteen and a half. I, I like the fact that you're fighting on this week. That's maybe that's the first time in a while. I feel like. Yeah, and I've been hard on Clay. Uh, he he has not been that bad. But uh, like I said, it's Herb. By the way, and I I want it to be Herb because. 
frankly, we just all need Herb back in our lives in college football. That's first of all. We do. Um, however, there's been reports, and the biggest like rumor right now about that vacancy is James Franklin. Your thoughts? Franklin to, to vacancy at USC? Correct. Well, there's no vacancy. <laughs> okay, okay, so anyway, your thoughts. Okay, so uh, my thoughts are no. Uh, it's if you can if you can get Herb, you, you somebody that we would put to the caliber of Herb, which there I don't know if there's anybody else out there that's available that would be. Uh, no, Franklin's not the guy to go to USC and take that to um, a level above where Helton is at. I mean, okay, USC USC might go nine and three this year. So you think Franklin's gonna go out there and do a better job? I don't I don't see that happening. No, I know. I just thought it was interesting. That was. Um, the bigger rumor from like last week was just he might be like the odds on favorite. The guy I look at, I feel like James Franklin, he's a great recruiter. I mean, he, he is. And um, I think USC is the type of school that they're willing to pay. They're willing to pay coordinators. Like they were about to bring in uh, what's his nuts for the Cardinals at like a million dollars a year. So, um, uh, look, 100% of this stupid. And that's not a bag on Franklin. Franklin's fine, but he's not like this big step up from where from where they're at. I no, I don't. I I, stupid. I, I don't disagree with you. I, I thought it was an odd like name throw out there, but it's trust me, it's not like some random piece of person. This is like media people. Like this is what's going on. So uh, anyway, let's get the hell out of college because <laughs> it's, it's garbage, and let's go to week twelve in the NFL. We're going to set the stage a little bit with our records, and I'll just go first here. Uh, I'm trying to, you know, gain, and I lose again, two and three in the Power Five, another game uh. back. Brings me to 21, 33 and one in the Power Five. I'm running out of weeks to, I mean, at this point, I got to go like some ungodly record to get back to 500, but that's not going to stop me from trying. Um, five and eight overall brings me to 70, 79 and two on the season. Uh, with all the games, and then Doctor, a nice four in one week in the Power Five. You have a fighting chance at 25, 28, and two on the season now, setting yourself nicely for the stretch run. And then overall, an eight and five week brought your overall record to 76, 73, and two on the year. And I just want to say that over the last four weeks, it is overall 29, 21. In two, should we talk about the model right now? It's it's doing what it does. The model the model tends to get better as the season goes on. So it just, we don't as, like it to be as, as bad as it was at the start. It's typically not that bad, but we are we are getting better as we move on the season, which typically happens. Just like in real life, it gets tougher to win in November and December. Uh, so you want to be winning. The, the cream rises to the top, and, and so has the doctor's model as advertised. All right. Let's keep it going, and we're going to set it up with kind of um, talking about the records overall and the themes in the NFL for the season and through 11 weeks. So last week, uh, favorites were 9-5. and five. It tied their best week of the season. It brings them overall to 71-89-2 on the year. The uh, home road discrepancy, home teams again 4-9 and nine last week bringing that record overall to 68, 89, and 2 on the year. 
So just bet road teams, and you're uh, you're living a good life here through 11 weeks. Home favorites, another losing week at four and five. Their record is 40, 63 and two on the season to date. And then uh, home dogs were 0 and four last week, bringing them to 25 and 28 on the season. Substantial favorites, which we consider to be seven or greater, um, were 0 and three last week, bringing them to 17 and 25. And then there were zero outright uh, losers from substantial favorites last week. There are eight total on the year. This week, there are 14 games in the NFL, 10 home favorites, four home dogs, two substantial favorites, and we always do uh, exclude one. We exclude TNF because I refuse to acknowledge its existence. So we're doing a 13-game board outside of that, and it starts in Atlanta against Tampa Bay, and it's the same question as last week that we asked, and it's, are you buying in? As the sirens, police sirens go by my house. There we oh, go. That's every <laughs> week. Every week. Well, well, hey, well you know, but, hey, doctor, oh. doctor, not all of us live in the gated community like you. Okay, <laughs> I, I live with the people where I can, you know, be amongst them and, and you know, lead. So, all right. So, Bob, back to your, back to your question, though. Uh, there's this old saying in Tennessee. Well, I, I know it's in Texas, probably in Tennessee too. That says, "Fool me once, shame on." Shame on you. <laughs> fool me. You can't get fooled again. Right? You can't fool me. <laughs> so Atlanta two weeks ago when they played New Orleans, uh, that was a shock, right? I'm not going to consider that uh, a foolery. Uh, but this last week, they fooled us, and I'm not getting fooled again, okay? It's uh, it's Atlanta minus, minus four and a half this week. Um, you've got a Tampa Bay pass defense that's second worst in the league in both TDs and yards per game. You've got an Atlanta offense that's tied for sixth in passing TDs, uh, fourth in passing yards, and lead, leads the league in passing first down. So that sets up very well for, for Atlanta. On the Atlanta defensive side of the ball, the last three games, uh, with a 2-1 record, they have 13 sacks, 25 hits on the QB, and had uh, four picks on Kyle Allen last week and sacked him five times. So you set that defense up going against King Crab Legs here, who has – 18 picks this year, okay? <laughs> Next is Rivers with 14, Baker with 12, and all others have 10 or less. So I have a question for you. Yeah, uh, sure. Two, two, actually. Who is the last quarterback in the NFL to throw more than 30 picks in a season, and what year was it? Oh, God. Um, you, I mean, you're not going to get it. It's not Eli Manning, is it? No, no, we're going way back, Bob. We're going to 1988. Vinny Testaverde threw 35. So, <laughs> Crab Legs has 18 this year with six games left. So, he only needs to average two per game, which is definitely possible. Uh, you think he gets the 30? Well, I'll say this. If you count the lost fumbles, he's at 22 turnovers total. I think he gets de- definitely gets the 30 turnovers. Um, I think that's a question. And it, again, four more INTs last week. I mean, it's just like, what, what, what is this? Bob, he has he has five games with at least four turnovers, right? No yeah. other player has more than two of those games since he was drafted in 2015. And that's yeah, that's wild, man. So it, anyway, it, I got I, you can tell I got Atlanta minus four and a half. But feel free to talk more about crab lives. It's good. It's good discussion. Yeah, no, uh, so I, I just referenced, I think we might have read the same, like, 
article or something talking about Atlanta's defense the last two weeks, um, or maybe it was the last three weeks. But it, you know, it was like thirteen sacks the last three weeks compared to weeks one through eight. They had seven. Like, how do you double your number? Um, so it, it, it's it's crazy. You know, two interceptions through the first eight weeks, and then four again um, through the last three games. So yeah, like you said. Not a great recipe for crab legs, and this this is really the Atlanta defense that everyone thought, or at least you know, resembling what it maybe possibly could be at the beginning of the year. And I think I don't know I, who knows what it is. You know, maybe uh, now it's a contract year for Vic Beasley. You know, maybe he's going okay. I got you know six seven games to kind of show what I can do. I mean, who knows? I, I, it doesn't really matter. The point is, is like you said, two weeks in a row and. It's the same question, but I think it is a different answer. So I am Atlanta minus a four and a half here. Um, I like him at the beginning of the year, and it seems like something's something's altered. Who knows what it is? Maybe we'll find out in 30 for 30 in 20 years. We're not, we're not getting fooled again. No, no. So let's, uh, let's take it to Buffalo, where Buffalo Bills are minus four. Uh, against the Denver Broncos, the three and seven Broncos, and I think the seven and three Bills here. Um, and I'll just kind of talk about last week. I think we were messaging, and um, typically there's only maybe one or two games each week where you kind of go like, "What? What the hell's going on in this game?" And uh, that was one of them. Where you know Denver, I think, got up maybe twenty to nothing at Minnesota at one point in the first half, or maybe at half it was twenty to nothing, twenty to three. And um, I did not get to watch this game, but I kind of went back and charted the game a little bit just for drives. And you know, you look at it. What happened was this, is the Vikings basically slept walk through the first half, and they gave up almost 250 yards of Denver's total 394 yards in the game in that first half. Um, I think 20 points. And then the second half, would you like to hear the Vikings' offensive drives? I would. All right. Nine plays, 75 yards, touchdown. 18 plays, 75 yards, touchdown. 362, touchdown. 567 touchdown. They went four for four. Um, all touchdown drives, 62 yards or greater. That so, probably matches the Wolverines' drive chart against the Spartans. That might match Denver's total for the season of over 50 yards. So, um, look, I, it, it, I, it was just an example where they weren't taking it seriously. They, they weren't, you know, they didn't care. And then they went, okay, it's time to win now. And they pretty much rolled them up for the most part. It's a, it's a blowout. So, um, yeah, I, I think Buffalo here is, is in a nice spot where they can kind of continue uh, to build on their 7-3 and three record and solidify a playoff spot for them in the AFC. So I'm going to take Buffalo minus the four points. I'll let you go. Yeah, I think you're, I think you're wrong on this one. Um, you right. The Bills are seven and three. Josh Brandon Allen. <laughs> Josh Allen was AFC Offensive Player of the Week last week. Unbelievable. And they have it going. They're, they're, the Bills are are on the roll, right? Well, if you look back at their wins, it's still the Dolphins twice, both the New York teams, Washington, Cincinnati, and the Titans, who at that point in time were being led by the great Marcus Mariota. So they're not exactly putting up. Uh, Big time wins um, against who, who, all the. Well, by the way, I would also I would all compare those teams to Denver. So great. I see. That's where I I, I would disagree um, a, a little bit there, and that's that's why my pick will, will be different. I think Denver is 
is trending in a more positive direction. Okay, so through their last four losses have been separated by four points or less. Five of the total seven losses um, have been by a score or less. Only uh, AR12 and Mahomes have beat them by double digits. So um, I think they're they're playing tough. Their defense is fourth in total defense, um, seventh in scoring defense and yards per play. So the five times the Bills have placed it paid played a top 20 defense they failed to break 17 points in those games so i think they're going to struggle again against the denver d i think brandon allen certainly isn't great but he's put some life back into it uh i think it's certainly enough life to cover four and, and maybe to win this game uh, another statistic would be denver's five and two against the spread as underdog this year so i'm taking the broncos and brandon allen and the allen the allen matchup here denver plus four okay um yeah i mean it's hard to go against that just laid it out hard to go against that yeah, they like Brandon Allen so much. They like Brandon Allen so much that they were one of the teams that were rumored to sign Colin Kaepernick right now. So, yeah, there you go. Speaking of him, speaking of Colin Kaepernick, um, oh this this next game um, is the Giants at Chicago. Uh, Trubisky or Kaepernick? <laughs> it's still Trubisky. <laughs> I see how I died. I don't think it is, but um, well, I'm not, right, I look, I, look. If you want to get into it, it's not. That's not based on like necessarily football talent per se. But Kaepernick brings a lot of baggage. Do you, do you want that rolling around in the locker room? And that's what this whole thing is about. And I don't. I don't think you. I don't think he's. I don't think he's incrementally better for the Bears that you want something like that around your team all the time right now. Fair enough. Okay, so then answer this. Um, the next stop for either quarterback, or for Trubisky, let's say, XFL or Canada? Um, I like him in the XFL. <laughs> yeah, I think he'd do well there. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot. Yeah. There's a lot of. Uh, I don't think he's good enough to play. I don't think he's good enough to play in Canada. That's the point. <laughs> All right. Don't you, throw, don't you feel to throw the ball to play in Canada? I, I have. No idea. I, I think it's to be. I think it's to be able to air it out a little bit. I don't think he's capable of making throws in that league. Yeah. What? What? What a just disaster this whole thing is. And um, he, I, I do not think he'll be in Chicago next year. I kind of said that. I don't know, maybe a week or two ago, but I think this thing is just completely fall apart. So, um, you know, this is a bad game. It kind of one of those things where you need a reason. Um, and my reason is my fantasy team, and it's. Uh, Saquon Barkley, you know I'm making a little mini run here in one of our leagues uh, where I might have an sh- outside shot of the playoff spot. And I read, I read uh, going off you're the so, You're so fucking delusional. <laughs> I read where uh, I, I got, got a lot of good players right now. Um, James Washington, Pittsburgh. Uh, so I read that coming out of the bye week, they were going to focus on him more involved in the pass game. And I was like, here we go. Here we go. It's Saquon time. So, yeah, I'm on the Giants plus six. I'll let you say whatever you want about this game. Yeah, well, this is a game of uh, crushed dreams and and distant memories, right? So the Bears coming off the 2018 division win. A lot of hype. They've lost five of the last six. Um, They're four and six now. To your point about Trubisky, was he injured or was he pulled? I mean, who, who who really knows? Uh, he was pulled. Oh my God! <laughs> I don't know. He says hip hurt. One in Chicago. One in five ATS in the last six. You know who their lone cover against was against Detroit, of course. Detroit. And then you got Danny Dimes. So talk about crushed dreams and distant memories. It goes two and zero to start. The hope was back in the in the giant fan base. 
Well, since then, they're a loser of six straight and just one in five against the spread. With their lone cover coming against Detroit, the <laughs> Detroit Lions. <laughs> 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 oh my God! You can't make it up. Oh God, you can't make it up. You can't make it up. Look, you already said both these teams. The season season's over for both of them. Um, in theory, I, I think Chicago um, finds a way to win this one and cover, and they do create a little delusion in the fan base for another week. That's just what they do. They'll have all the Bears fans running the playoff machine to find ways for them to still get in the playoffs. Um, and the next week they will lose and they will not. But anyway, I'm going I'm going Chicago minus six. I've got some other stats, but we, we don't need to spend any more time on this one. Yeah. Let's go Bears I, minus six. That's wonderful. Okay. Uh, let's go to Cincinnati where the Steelers in a divisional matchup are uh, minus six and a half. They're at five and five and they're still in this uh, AFC wildcard picture. And we have Cincinnati over. And I think we've talked about it a little bit. They don't get one of these games here. 0-16 is staring them right in the face now. I think they probably are the worst team in the NFL. They've taken that thrown over for the season. And uh, I'll get, let you give your thoughts here on this game and where you're at on the pick. Yeah, so this is, you know, it's a must-win spot for the Steelers. They want to keep playoff hopes alive. And they're coming off that, that wild Thursday night event with, with Garrett, Rudolph, and, and Pouncey. Um, so, they're, you know, they're, they're a must-win, and they're in a tough spot. No Pouncey, um, likely no Connor or Schuster. And so this is already for an offense that's ranking 27th in the yards per play and hasn't broken 30 points yet this year. So coming in this game, they're, they're in a tough spot, but... Like you said, fortunately, they're playing Cincinnati, who's probably the worst team in the NFL, and who hasn't broken 17 points in its last uh, five games. So they're playing Finley. He has done nothing to help the team. Their passer rate is 52.8 against uh, Baltimore and Oakland. I think Pitt's defense is at least as good or better than the Baltimore and Oakland defense. Uh, Pitt's D ranks fifth in yards per play at 4.9. Also ranks fourth in sacks and second in takeaways. So I think the defense gives Finley all kinds of problems, creates some short fields um, for the Pittsburgh offense that's struggling, and it's enough for um, for Pitt to go ahead and cover the six and a half. Um, you know, another thing, Pitt is four and one their last five, and since he has lost, obviously four straight games, but it's been by a TD or more in each of those last four. So I'm Steelers minus six and a half. Okay, and. and um I think for people that maybe looked last week and go, hey, maybe they're getting better with the Bengals or something like that. It, it was kind of one of those games where if you're just watching the scoreboard, you're going, oh, that's kind of a cl- closer game. Like, what, what's going on there? Why Why is the Raiders, why are my Raiders struggling with the Bengals? And, and, uh, and uh, you know, I, I think if you take a closer look, and, and I did, of course, um, you know, they the Bengals were still out. Uh, Gained by the Raiders, three eighty six to two forty six, which is two forty six is just a terrible number. Uh, a big reason why the the complexion of this game kind of changed and the Bengals were able to stay in it longer was was the Raiders turned the ball over inside the Cincy thirty yard line, um, and also another one across midfield in the second half. So it just kind of let this game linger a little bit, probably more than it should have. Um, so it, it was just kind of a deceiving. Uh, Small win there for the Raiders. They're still not a. They're still they're still not a good team at this point. 
Uh, you, no, you're trying just to get in something here for your Raiders. That's that's what you're trying to do. No, that, no, no, no. I got, I got, I got something way better for the Raiders. Oh, uh, coming up, way better. So, uh, look, uh, I just kind of think there's a kind of weird home field thing with some of these teams. Cincinnati being one, where like no one's showing up in these games. The people that do are kind of like waiting to just boo them off the field and cheer against them, and it's just kind of this awkward. Uh, dynamic where I think some maybe they actually play better on the road at times. And just to kind of back that up, Cincy, four of their five road losses are by single digits. Four of their five home losses by double digits. So um, they're they're getting clowned at home a lot. And so I'm, I'm going to stay on Pittsburgh here as well. I mentioned them need this game. They still have a lot to play for. I'm Pittsburgh minus six and a half. And all those games against like Cleveland earlier, it looked like, oh, well, Cincy still has you know, some shots to get this one win or whatever. Those two games against Cleveland now. Uh-oh. Um, and speaking of those Browns, speaking of the wild card in the AFC, the Browns are 4-6 and six after their win last week over Pitt. And my, my question to you now, so the hype before, right, uh, was not real, Okay. And all of a sudden, the Browns are four and six. Do you want to hear the rest of their schedule the way? I want you to too, but yeah, throw it, out, throw it back at me. All right, so looks pretty good. This week, Miami at Pitt, two against those Bungles we just talked about at Arizona and home for Baltimore. So my question to you, a couple of questions actually, is the stretch run like sexy, hot, wild card Browns in the AFC pick is the hype real? They, they've re-upped the hype. Is the hype real in the second half? Yes, I think we we're saying nine wins will get so, you in the playoffs, right? I think that's kind of what the benchmark is for the AFC right now. Right, they're four and six, and that was my next question. Right. If I give you the over/under of eight and a half wins for the season, what are you taking for them? Well, I, I would take the under. Uh, okay, that's a safe bet. I'm you're probably going to be rooting for the over, but I would bet the under. I, look, I I think it's pretty reasonable for them to go into week seventeen, eight right. and seven, and you got to put off pull pull off a miracle win against Baltimore. Now the the other side of that is if it's week you mean, seventeen, you mean, the, you mean the team they beat forty to twenty five? Well, yeah, that's true, <laughs> but. Uh, the other side of that might be depending on where Baltimore's at with home field. But are they? Who are they playing that game? Are they going to run Lamar out there? Maybe he's not even playing. So they might be in a spot where they are eight and seven playing against uh, basically a second team in Baltimore. So we'll see how that shakes out. But uh, they, the, the the hype is real right now. Yeah, it's it's real for this week, and that's why I think we're both in the bronze spot. It's ten and a half. Can I, can I circle that in? You you, you can't. I mean, the other thing is, look. What happened last week was was awful, right? It was terrible, and there's I haven't read all the all the press about it. I know Garrett is saying Rudolph said something. I don't know exactly what was said, but either way, it's a terrible situation which you couldn't. Really, I don't think you can justify in any way uh, trying to hit no. the head with a helmet. No. But somehow the Browns, because they're they're kind of this team that thrives on adversity, are going to make their way to be like a victim around this and all kind of rally together. And they, they all kind of, I think, love these spots. So that's going to add to the hype here. Um, 
So, yes, I'm with you on the Browns. Just another thing to point out here, Miami's down their starting two safeties. Um, yeah. The Browns in their three win, three in their four wins, three of them have been uh, by greater than 14 points. So when they win, they win big. I think we're all going to say they're going to win this game, so I'm going to expect them to win big again, and that's part of the reason why, why I'm going with the 10.5. Yeah, we're both on the Browns, but I said that. I didn't really mention that thing from last week a lot. I know I... It was a big story, but it's really not a story. Look, Miles Garrett's a crazy person. That's that's the story, yeah. and, and he's been a crazy person all year long. He's kind of like their version of the Damacon Sue, uh, except it's worse. And he yeah. he needs an evaluation psychi- psychologically before playing again. I mean, it's just well, it's, and like I so like what I said, like I haven't read everything, so I don't, he's trying to say that something was said, and I don't know exactly what it was. But I, I what I've it's seen ridiculous. Browns, what I've seen from the Browns is pretty unapologetic. Right, they're, yeah. they're not they're not completely backing him, but they're not necessarily saying things they should. What I would expect them to say after a move like that. No, they're, they're mouth intense and they're derelicts, and they're and this again, this goes <laughs> this goes back to they are they are because they no seriously they have a, they have a head coach who frankly allows this to perpetuate. That's why, and he's he will not be back next year. But uh, whatever, uh, I, I don't like them, and I don't like the way they go about things. And they've been completely ridiculous. If they're backing him, this dude's nuts. Uh, he shouldn't be back in the league until he's like evaluated psychologically. So um, he's nuts. Let's go to New Orleans Saints minus nine and a half at home. Another divisional matchup against a Carolina team that, man, you know, if I'm being fair about all this stuff and if we treat teams fairly, um, I know that we talked about Atlanta kind of having a, a nice little turnaround, but. They didn't just lose the game. I think they lost twenty nine to three or something. And at home, after they needed a they needed a win, right? Um, after a loss at Green Bay the week before, their season now at five and five in the NFC, not the AFC. Their season with another loss right now is pretty much it's done. So I I guess what I'm trying to say is like for someone to lose the game the way they did in Atlanta, that's just unacceptable. And uh, it. It's not question for you. Question for you, Bob is is Cam man with background like just with that Cam smile on his face right now, just just ear to ear, like you idiots, you well, idiots. You know, I I, I don't. And his nice clothing. Yeah, yeah. I, he I mean, should like, be. Well, I, I I think in a different way, not in the same way, but I think kind of like Miles Garrett, Cam Cam might just be mentally just gone. So um, especially based on his apparel, at least for sure. So <laughs> I kind of like um, it. Uh, okay, but look, I, there's been a lot to go on Cam. Uh, yeah, I'm sure he, who knows what he's thinking. But, um, yeah, look, I, like say that with the Lions last week who, who did that in the game. It would just be like, all right, you guys are just – you guys are so so fraudulent, and I don't care. I know you got McCaffrey, and that's cute and everything, but it's nonsense. So um, I think I'll let you kind of respond to that and talk about your thoughts on this game. Okay, yeah, so I think you said it, um, you know, Carolina – is trending in the wrong direction. Um, you know, this one came down to me really around around the number. We've got New Orleans minus nine and a half. Um, you know, it's kind of a football number, staying away from ten. Uh, if we're ten and a half, I, I, I may actually switch on this one. But since it's nine and a half, I like the number for New Orleans. I'm going to go New Orleans uh, minus nine and a half in this one. Yeah, I, I think we're together here, and I think at this point in the year, um, when you have a team like New Orleans against a team, you know, maybe in a, a tier or two below, like Carolina. It's kind of that double-digit rule. You know, if I can get them to win by double digits here and with a cover, I'm just going to probably go ahead and do that. 
if we're making the pick. So, yeah, New Orleans minus nine and a half, and, and also they still they still need these wins here. Uh, they to get home field for the playoffs uh, over Green Bay and San Francisco. So it's not like they're just kind of uh, on cruise control. They need to win these games. Uh, so it definitely, and Breeze, you know, Breeze is what the third week back. So he's still. I mean, he wants to get some reps. He's, they're not slowing down. They're gonna they're gonna put it on if they can, and they need to you know they need to focus and start getting right with him back in the lineup. Yeah, they, they have the third-ranked uh, rush deal in the league, and that's not a great recipe if they're able to slow down McCaffrey on the ground for Carolina. Um, let's go to my Oakland Raiders. They are now 6-4, and four, just right in the thick of things for that AFC wild card we've been talking about. And they're in the Meadowlands taking on the Jets at 3-7. and seven. And I think... When you look at this, it's very easy to go, it's a trap, you know, for the Raiders, right? It's a perfect trap game for them. They've been on the road, or haven't been on the road in a month. Um, that whole, you know, West Coast, to East Coast, 1 p.m. game uh, trap. The Jets actually have the best rush D in the league, which was um, the Raiders' big strength with Brandon Josh Jacobs. Um, so... However, sometimes there are stats we use, Doctor. Sometimes there's uh, maybe a, a trend or gambling, ATS lines. And sometimes there's just simple things like anecdotes and stories that you might hear and go, okay, something's going on here that I like. And you, you already know they're, they're my Raiders. And I predict them to get to six, seven wins. And they're certainly on their way to seven. Um, but uh, listen, I read a little story this week, and it just talked about uh, one of their defensive linemen, rookie Max Crosby, and how he's kind of become like a team favorite. And one of the defensive line coaches was trying to school them around old school music and, you know, all these kids today. And he talked about um, how they were coming in the locker room singing certain songs and saying, hey, you know, do you know who had the original beat for that? Because they're really just sampling off of the guys that you're listening to. And they went into how he wants to also them to start looking at old defensive linemen and start sampling their pass rush moves. And um, you're talking about <laughs> so, so. I want to give you uh, an, an anecdote from um, their defensive line coach. He said, you know, talking about sampling off those defensive line passes. He said, "Quote." You ask some of the guys who the best pass rusher is, and they're going to say Von Miller, Buckner said. I'm like, what about Reggie Wood? What about Lawrence Taylor? What about Mad Stork? And they're like, who is that? So I pulled the video, and they're like, oh. So they, now they have a better appreciation, not just for the, you know, not just for the music stuff that I, I clown about, but for the past NFL greats at their position. And he said, quote, I'm not a football coach. I teach life. It just so happens football encompasses life, unquote. And this is where I kind of go and look. I'm not going to go into the whole story, but it talks about basically how these guys, they're they're really kind of, they make fun of each other. They really enjoy each other's company. They play for each other. They like each other. And I just went, these are my Raiders. These, you know, screw this trend for the West Coast, East Coast. Screw the trap game with the Jets. No, this is my Raiders. They're minus three. They're getting to their seventh win. Um, 
I'm on my Raiders game, minus three points. I'll let you go and respond to that. I don't even know what you just said. I, I <laughs> what just happened there? I'll tell, you, I'll, I'll tell you this, though. Mono is gone. The ghosts have disappeared. Gase is safe. Jets have won two straight. And Darnold is believing in this team's playoff chances. So, while your <laughs> Oakland Raiders have won three straight and are looking for that seventh win for you, and this is a must win for their playoff push. This is a must, must win for the Jets playoff push. And I'm <laughs> yeah. buying in on Darnold. There's an upset coming this weekend at MetLife. Uh, Darnold and the boys are, are playing better. He's uh, passed a rating of 98 and 121 in the last two weeks. Throw in the Jets' number one rush defense in yards per attempt at 3.0. And yards per game holding teams to under 80 yards. They've got a pretty good pass D. Your boy Carr has been playing well, but that's built off the solid ground game to start with. Jets shut him down. Darnold keeps the playoff hopes alive for another week. It's the New York Jets plus three all the way in this one. Okay. Should be a fun one. Uh, Gruden, is Gruden coach of the year? Not when they not when they stumble in here and finish six and ten or seven and nine no <laughs> well they're getting to seven we know that all right let's go to <laughs> a more intriguing game here uh with the eagles at home they're minus one and a half at five and five taking on the eight and two uh go ahead sorry yeah i want to open this with a question for you so last weekend last week you were talking about how philly needed to show you something against new england and i wanted to get your take on if you felt like they showed you something last weekend. I'm gonna. I, that's what I was gonna kind of get to. Oh, great! Um, All right, so go I, for I, it. I think they kind of did, and I, I alluded to this in the open, which you're not here, but I kind of made that part of the open with that. Uh, it was quite quite a passionate discussion about New England, Philly. Uh, so, um, so look, Philly's at five and five. Dallas is six and four in the NFC East, right? And it's set up for this stretch run for that division, and Philly's remaining schedule is this game at home against Seattle. They go to Miami, two games against the Giants at Washington, and then finish with the Cowboys at home. So my question to you, it's a two-parter really. There are five wins right now. Philly, with that schedule, 10 and a half over under wins. Under. Dallas or Philly to win this division? Who has a tiebreaker? TBD. Well, right right now, Dallas beat Philly earlier this season. So Philly would definitely probably need to have to win that game. And then it goes into the division record, right? But those those other games, I mean, there is almost – if they win this game, they have another four built-in wins. I mean, Miami, two against the Giants. You said over over under ten, right? Ten and a half. So winning out, right? That would be winning out? Well, if they win this, they get to six wins, and then they—I said—they have four basically built-in wins, um, which would bring them to ten. Oh, but they, have to, they have to win their next six to get to eleven, eleven and five, right? Yes, I'm going under. Yeah, under all day. Okay. All right. All right. I. So you know, like I talked about um, last week, did they show me something? I, I think they played not great, but they played well enough in a tough spot, and they were right there to tie the game up at least to win the game at the end so I, I i wasn't like blown away or anything but 
I thought, okay, there's still part of that team left. And I think they can, I think they will win this division, actually. I, I really do. I think they'll beat the Cowboys and win this division. Um, and if we're talking about this game specifically, I think there's a nice matchup they have here where Philly is fourth against the run, which is a big strength of Seattle and what they, what they try to do in every game where they're, I think, a top six or seven run offense. And then Seattle's pass defense is 28th in the league, which is something that Philly struggles with. So maybe this is a good spot where they can get that a little bit going uh, at home. And there's no Tyler Lockett for Seattle. I think he's very doubtful at this point. That, you take away the run for them, no Tyler Lockett. That's a big, uh, big loss for them and Russ. So I'm going to take uh, my Eagles. They're not. I'm just kidding. I want to do that for the Raiders. But um, no, I, I think I do think Philly's at the start of a nice run, primarily because of the schedule. I mean, it is pretty amazing from the way yeah. it sets up. So um, I'm going to take them minus one and a half. I'll let you respond on that. Yeah. So I, I think I'm with you. But I think they'll get to ten. I'm, I'm okay with that. And I, I sure. hope you were honest in the in the open because I said. They weren't going to show you anything last week, uh, which I don't think they did. So what did they do? They showed they couldn't move the ball against a good defense. So they didn't show you really anything offense. Um, and they held the New England offense, which, frankly, has been struggling a little bit. They, they showed um, you Tom, but, Tom Brady's every age of 42 or 43 or whatever. Well, but he, they haven't been playing well, so I don't know what, what they showed you. But I said, give them this week because they're going to show you something. I think they are. Uh, I had a lot of the same stats you did around you know, Seattle's D being a big struggle fest in the passing game, and I think Philly's going to take advantage of that this week. Also, Philly's D, you mentioned, run D really good. They've also just been getting healthier since early right. on in the season where they were awful. Um, and another side note is you know, the public has been hammering Seattle. There's 82% of the public is on Seattle. Um, by the end of this, this may shift all the way over to Seattle being favored. Um, in this game, so you, you may want to uh, you may want to wait if you're going to take Philly to, to later on in the, in the weekend. Uh, but I'm with you on, on Philly this week. But this is the week they start to show you something. It did not happen last week. I know you told me a cute little story about it, but it did not happen last week if you really look at it. But I'm with well, you. Philly minus one and a half. This is the start of a good stretch for them. Okay. Well, don't forget that you also talked about how the Patriots just come on and put it on someone. It doesn't matter who it is or where it is. And I, I covered that. I don't necessarily. Hey, I took that. They, they were my pick. They were my pick. But you were like, "Oh, it's time." They got Super Bowl revenge, and yeah, I don't. I don't necessarily think uh, that was the case. And they had okay. blown up, but they covered, and Philly didn't show shit. Okay. Okay. Moving uh, along I, to the I, game I, of the weekend. Uh, enough. <laughs> to the game of the weekend. The game, of, the game of the weekend. All right. Um, it's it's our lines uh, going to the nation's capital um, to take on. The Washington Redskins. Detroit is minus three and a half. Uh, do we just want to get the Stafford discussion out of the way here? I think uh, – I assume he's not playing. He's out. Yeah. Oh, he's been ruled out officially? I, I don't – I actually don't know if it's official, but it, it might as well be. It's probably not official because Patricia's probably trying to be Belichick and, like, wait until the end. I don't know. Sure. So, yeah, I think he's definitely out. Um, he hasn't practiced. He hasn't practiced for, I think, a couple weeks. And this is now – uh, ben, uh, this is the Tony Romo injury, actually, that what he has uh, with these fractures in his back. And th- this is, you know, you don't, you don't want to speculate on this stuff. But it feels more like this is a a long-term thing where I, 
they're already talking about him like coming back and he's gonna try to come back and I'm like what what are you doing what, what? yeah come yeah yeah come back and win a game so you ruin your draft pick like what are you talking about uh which brings me to my next point is i can't wait till they get um another like top you know seven or eight pick maybe a top five pick and they don't draft a qb in one of the best quarterback drafts in some time so that will be special no let's take let's take another tight end that's going to be the next cameron Bray instead let's do that so um yeah uh anyway uh look i'm on washington here i it's all about this patricia defense for me and i think they're going to make dwayne haskins and this offense looked like Mark Rippon and the 91 Washington Redskins. So I'll let you go. Uh, I'm with you. I'm with Washington. Um, another point here, the public is hammering Detroit. 85% of the plays are on Detroit. So uh, another reason to, to jump on Washington here. I, I don't know. I don't know if that's what they're doing. I, I don't even know. Uh, people don't it. believe. And so, Bob, this one's for you. Like This one's for you. This is the Haskins breakout game this is this is your boy did you see last weekend him on the sidelines with like his jerry Maguire moment yeah, with the offensive it, line like it, help it me good. help you yeah <laughs> I, I think the difference is jerry knew how to help the great run too well but but i think there's you know there's something to be said i'm sure they got together this week and hopefully they they figured some things out but i i think this could be a breakout game for your boy haskins against your boy patricia's defense so uh washington plus three and a half three and a half the start of haskins and what will be funny is if he has a good game and this is who knows what his career looks like hopefully it's good but if it's not and he has a good game and like his only good game in life would be against the Lions. It'd be just so fitting for for, for Lions fans. It's it's perfect and he he will yeah. be good. And uh yeah, I I know I, I saw that last week and kind of cringed a little bit. And there there have been kind of like rumblings that the reason for that a little bit is because he kind of hasn't allegedly, okay, there's been some questioning about his work ethic and effort and like his teammates are sort of like whatever like they hey guys what can i do to help and they're just like hey hey you a 21 year old get out of my face you don't even try hard so i i do who knows who knows man that's true let's hope that's not the case right that's not the case right 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 but either 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 way you don't gotta work hard this week you're fine buddy uh (laughs) fire away uh washington plus three and a half is the pick for both of us let's get to um only now we're into 4 p.m. Only two 4 p.m. games, and if you want to consider this one, there's basically only one because this game sucks. Uh, it's Jacksonville at Tennessee. Uh, no one should be really watching this game. Uh, Playoff implications, man. There, <laughs> I wrote down. I said technically both are in the AFC wild card race. I can't, how, is, how is it possible? Uh, uh, yeah. So actually made me. I had nothing to think or say about this game, so I actually read a preview. And the only thing it made me do is I remembered that I love the rookie edge rusher, Josh Allen. And I wish that the Lions would have taken him instead of Cameron Bray. Um, and uh, and that Leonard Fournette is on my fantasy team. And, and I'm excited for him. So um, that is the reason I'm going to take the Jacks plus three. They bounced back after a tough loss last week, so I'll let you go. Yeah, you're you're wrong on this one. Um, <laughs> okay. 
they're coming off two tough AFC losses, both the yes and Indianapolis, very lopsided ones at that. So they're they're trending in a very poor direction. Uh, they do have uh, BDN back for the second week, so maybe there's some there. But look, Tennessee had the big win over Kansas City. They, they went on by a week. Tannehill has been pretty good. His his five starts, his passer rating, an average is 104, which would actually put him in the top 10 passer rating. Uh, Jacksonville's rush defense, 29th in the league, not good. Um, as we mentioned, big playoff implications for this game in the AFC, especially for the Titans. Like, look, it's a big game. I think the Titans are going to get it done this week. I'm going Tennessee minus minus three. Wonderful. Okay, let's move on to the uh, other 4 p.m. game that pretty much all of America will be tuning into, and it's the Patriots at home minus six and a half to the Cowboys. I think we're probably aligned here, and I'm just going to kind of bring up the Philly comparison um, with Dallas and, and kind of what I talked about earlier too with New Orleans going against Carolina where at this point in the season if I see one of these matchups where I have this one team in a certain tier and this other team in another and it's less than double digits and you're making a pick it's kind of the double digit rule I'm just going to take the Pats uh, minus six and a half and also I've stashed Nikhil Harry on one of my fantasy teams. He's the first-round pick wide receiver. So I've stashed him, so I'm, I'm expecting a big breakout. He's been off injured reserve now. I, I think I think maybe he finds his the end zone for the first time. I've got, I've got to jump in and ask you, when you talk about your fantasy teams right now, you are not talking about the league that we're in together, are you? It, I'm talking about the seven teams I have. That's what I'm talking about. But you're so, not talking about the league we're in together because you have no chance of making the playoffs in that league. No, the one when I brought up Saquon, I was talking about that one, yeah. I was. Okay, okay. The eight teams that they play us, I'm literally like, you need, we need to, so as a doctor, we probably need to have a counseling session about your delusion level in our face. But anyway, that, nobody cares. Nobody wants to hear about it. All right, so yes, we're on the same page here. New England minus six and a half. It's every week you take New England. It's what you do if you want to make money. A couple of quick stats for people that are doubting it. Dallas, 0-6, ATS in last six games against teams with winning records. New England. 14, 3 and 3 against the spread and 19 and 1 straight up in last 20 games when laying 7 or less in Foxborough. So you probably already knew that stuff uh, about uh, Brady and Foxborough, but there's some factual data for you if you need it, New England minus 6.5. Yeah, and uh, I feel like it's an ugly, like, low scoring game. Uh, it's going to be yeah, a really rough good. one. Yeah, New England's uh, obviously New England's been trending unders. I think the majority of the year. Yeah, Brady is is. Uh, we're not gonna talk about Brady right now, but it's it, it was whew, it was it was rough there last week. Um, all right, St- still TV twelve, but it's uh, he, this he may want to just check out after this year and just call call it a day. So uh, that brings us to the night board, and there is some juicy night yeah. games on, on both both. Uh, SNF and MNF. So SNF here. We have San Francisco 9-1 and one, minus 3 taking on the 8-2 and two Green Bay Packers AR-12. San Francisco bounced back nicely like we would think they would. Um, kind of like the Saints did last week. Went by 10 over Zona. Are you serious? Uh, That's a ni- nicely? Well, I mean they bounced back was nicely? They scored with 25 seconds left to take the lead and then got a... Uh, Fumble house in the last play of the game to push cover for some people. I don't know well, that was nicely. They they did what they had to do given the circumstances where they're. I, and I was I was going to bring this up where they're 
they're not when you talk about their injuries right now you're talking about no Kittle, no Breida, no yep. joe staley no emmanuel sanders no d ford and there's other guys who are not maybe necessarily notable but they're at least rotational guys where you start to add it up it just goes okay this isn't the same it's not, it's not the same team anymore uh so as, as good as i think they are that was built on a team with all those guys so or at least maybe not Emmanuel Sanders, but all the rest of them. So, uh, yeah, it's just they're not the Niners. And I think that kind of gets to my pick. I don't love Green Bay. I've talked about this. I, I think on paper, if these teams are at full strength, clearly San Fran is the much better teams. But San Francisco, all those guys I just talked about are you know, very up in the air for this game. And if we're making this pick right here right now, that brings me to then, okay, they're probably pretty even. Maybe even Green Bay has an edge. And then then I look at uh, AR-12 versus Jimmy G. And this is a big spot for Jimmy G, right? We saw the last time in a primetime game against a guy like Russ and Petey. And, man, they went after him, and he did not respond well. That was a brutal game for him. So, look, I, I still think he can play well here. This is a bad Green Bay defense, but um, – the tape that Seattle put out there, it, it's just a big spot for him, and I'm, I'm interested to see. If I'm making the pick right here, it's Green Bay plus the three points. I'll let you go. Yeah, just to build on some of the injury stuff you said, over the over the last um, three games for, for the 49ers, they're 0-3 um, ATS, and of course with the loss of Seattle. Uh, in those three games, they're surrendering 5.2 yards per play and 26 points per game versus the season average of 4.5 yards per play and 15.5 points per game. And that's season to date. So that 4.5 and 15.5 includes the upswing wow. of the 5, 2, and 26. So, you know, it shows how what the gap would have been in those uh, you know, first seven games. I wish I had that. But you, you get what I'm saying there. So it includes huge. So, yeah, huge difference. They're, they're struggling quite a bit. Uh, I think if those injuries play through, like you said, you know me, I, I kind of side with Green Bay, although they've been playing pretty well it's throughout that bad loss to the Chargers. That offense has been humming. And I do compare this a little bit to the to the Seattle um, you know, San Francisco matchup. San Francisco, a little more conservative, straightforward, run heavy, play by the book, versus you get like Ross and AR twelve in there that can kind of fly around a little bit, make big plays, do things outside the pocket. I think I think that causes some issues for San Francisco. So I'm, I'm with you. I like Green Bay. Uh, plus three here. Even um, if some of those questionables or probables still play, I, I still like Green Bay in the end here, plus three. Yeah, I, they definitely need to get some of these guys back and healthy if they want a shot at a real, like, if they really want a shot to, like, make noise in, in the playoffs. I mean, if, if this is going to be this way uh, for them health-wise, I, I, they have no shot. Especially, I, I don't know, I, I just, that was pretty alarming to me, the way Jimmy G looked on that Monday night game. Um, it, it was bad. So, yeah, all right, let's go to M N F and this is Baltimore minus three at, at my narrative. Uh, and I, I know I know they won last Sunday night. The Rams did. Uh, they're six and four, by the way. Um, but they stick. And I, I want to ask you a question. Th- this game, I know the line's minus three and all that, blah blah blah. Is there a football reason at this point to take the Rams in this game? Can you give me one? One thing to say, hey, you know, this matchup here, you know, blah, blah, blah. Give me an actual reason on the football field to take this team. I don't think there is one. I don't have one. I don't have one. And my, (laughs) 
my my sheet says this: eighty three percent of the bets are in Baltimore. Baltimore looked great last week and has looked great pretty much all season. The Rams certainly did not look great last week and probably haven't looked great since two thousand eighteen. So there is no reason. There, there's I don't understand this line. I think it actually should be larger. So for that reason. I am taking the Rams plus the threes. <laughs> I don't get it. Dude, I'm, I'm supporting your point and probably maybe going the other way that you are. Uh, so I'm going the Rams plus three because I just don't get it. Makes no sense. No, I, I think it comes down to that. This is one of those like header gut games, you know, where, where you're. We, we talked about in the past. We're like, okay, look, there's nothing. Like, there's no reason. I'm just going with kind of Vegas and like the gut that okay, they got Vegas. They caught one here, and I'm going with the trap because it's a total trap. And uh, you either believe it or you don't, really, because uh, the Ravens not just have been winning. They're blowing the doors off of everyone. They've averaged 25-point wins uh, in their last four <laughs> games. That includes – that's not talking about, like, you know, right. old Miami. That, that includes Seattle, the Pats, and the Texans. <laughs> so right. – this is just um, – and also the other factor that I talk about with this, these L.A. teams is this is just like these uncomfortable home crowds where Baltimore fans are going to flood the stadium. And when the, the Rams aren't doing well, it's you're going to hear cheers. Like it's, it's going to be so bizarre. And I just go, this is ridiculous. So, look, I we, we both know how this goes. you got to pick a side. I, I understand the side you're picking. I'm picking Baltimore. I can't do it. So, so um, I, 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 yeah, you get it. You get it. I'm not. I can't say you're wrong on that one. Sometimes I like to say wrong, but I, I'm not even going to do it on this one. I'm, just, I'm going with the Rams. It doesn't make any sense. It may, it, yeah, they're they're done. Um, I, I've I personally uh, ended McVay's window. I'm happy about it. All right, so that brings us to Power Five, and I'm just going to uh, start out here, and I'm going to go. The Browns minus ten and a half. The Saints minus nine and a half. Eagles minus one and a half. Another favorite. The Pats minus six and a half. And then I finish it off with Dwayne Haskins in the skins. Going <laughs> against the Lions again. And look, no Stafford. This team is just so helpless. So uh, skins plus three and a half. I love it. Here's my, here's my last love one. It. I'll let you go. Okay. Um... All right, so I've got Atlanta, minus four and a half. Can't get fooled again. Uh, Pittsburgh, minus six and a half. Ooh. Tennessee, minus three. Wow. New England, minus six and a half. <sighs> this last one is, is is tough. I've got I've got <laughs> two here that I'm I'm really debating on. Do the Rams. Do the Rams. No, 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 no. I'm going to pull the trigger on this one just just for you, but I, I really kind of believe it. I got the Jets plus three. <laughs> How dare you? Well, Josh uh, got influenced a little bit there by some by some uh, non non data. How about that? Yeah. What my anecdotal story about the coach? <laughs> yeah, the one that I still don't know what was what was talked about. I'm not. I can't wait to listen to that to try and figure out exactly what you said. Yeah, no, it was really but, good. Yeah, it was really good. And it was rapping. It was some guy I've never heard of, and watching YouTube videos and some some coach of togetherness. I you know, people liking each other. I don't, I don't even know what was going on there. And, and it makes perfect sense. Makes perfect yeah. sense. All right. Um, well, hey, uh, hey, you, you, like I've mentioned, were have been doing well uh, in the NFL and had a nice week in the Power Five. Uh, I'm hoping for a nice finish in the stretch for myself. But uh, let's let's keep it going. Yeah, let's, let's keep it going. Let's keep it going. 
any parting shots uh, before we get out of here? Any any uh, Euro League soccer or whatever you talk about? Uh, no, no Premier League right now. Premier, no, Premier League, no Premier League. Just uh, just hey, just go, just go green, man. Just go green. Get it, get it down against Rutgers. All right, I'm not saying it anymore. So uh, we'll will, see we, will we will we see a new rock bottom? We'll see. We'll see you next week. No, the Rams just can't win that game. It, it can't happen. I mean, I again, I've personally shut the window for McVay and his offensive genius. So. And then I'm not even going to get into, you know, go green and all this stuff. It's whatever. It's Michigan State. It's it's over. Um, But, hey, this is great. Another fun weekend ahead of football. We're entering the stretch run. And the holidays are upon us. We have meaningful football every weekend it is uh it's very fun very exciting i want to say good luck to all of you out there in your picks in college football dfs of course download subscribe rate review it is swipe race sports your sports about hookup i'm your host bobby adcock good luck this weekend we'll see you next week